Hi, this is Brett, and welcome to the Carpenters Union. Have you ever seen some of those comedy movies where someone goes into a foreign country and in the character makes a feeble attempt to try to speak the language of those people? And of course, they butcher it all up. The subtitles declaring words and sentences that make absolutely no sense, and they're always funny episodes. Well, in real life, have you ever tried to say something, but it ends up getting misunderstood? and then the people actually get upset with you? Well, for sure, misunderstandings can definitely creep in, even into the lives of the spirit-filled Christian. As we get into chapter 22, we're gonna come across a very big misunderstanding. So without further ado, let's just pray that the Lord fills us with his Holy Spirit and gives us wisdom and understanding. And I pray that he also gives us the ability to apply what we learn from his word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I ran an experiment where I used Google Translator and I typed in the whole song of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And I had it translated into German. And then I copied and pasted all the German words back in to the Google Translator and had it translated back to English. And I got the following. Get me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I ever come back. Let me root, take root, take root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. You're out for one, two, three hits with the old ball game. <laughs> well, even in trying to use a simple Google Translator, it still does not come out to what was originally stated. A little bit different there in German. Yep, misinterpretation, misunderstanding is the basis of what we're going to uncover here in chapter 22. Starting in verse 1. Then Joshua called together all the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, You have done as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and you have obeyed every order I have given you. During all this time, you have not deserted the other tribes. You have been careful to obey the commands of the Lord your God right up to the present day. And now the Lord your God has given the other tribes rest, as he promised them. So go back home to the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you as your possession on the east side of the Jordan. So, inherently, the two and a half tribes said to Moses that we want to stay on the east side. And ultimately, Moses said that was okay. Continue in verse 5. But be very careful to obey all the commands and the instructions that Moses gave to you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Obey his commands. Hold firmly to him. And serve him with all your heart and all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went home. Verse 7, Moses had given the land of Bashan, east of the Jordan River, to the half-tribe of Manasseh. The other half of the tribe was given the land west of the Jordan. As Joshua sent them away and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your homes with the great wealth you have taken from your enemies, the vast herds of livestock, the silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and the large supply of clothing. Share the plunder with your relatives. So the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the rest of Israel at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. 
they started the journey back to their own land in Gilead, the territory that belonged to them according to the Lord's command through Moses. Verse 10. But while they were still in Canaan, and when they came to the place called Geloloth, near the Jordan River, the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh stopped to build a large and imposing altar. They built an altar that was misconstrued to be a sacrificial altar. Why? Well, we're going to see. In the meantime, let's see how the rest of the nine and a half tribes react. Verse 11. The rest of Israel heard that the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had built an altar at Geloloth at the edge of the land of Canaan on the west side of the Jordan River. So the whole community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and prepared to go to war against them. First, however, they sent a delegation led by Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to talk with the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. In this delegation were ten leaders of Israel, one from each of the ten tribes, and each of the head of his family within the clans of Israel. Verse 15. When they arrived in the land of Gilead, they said to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, The whole community of the Lord demands to know why you are betraying the God of Israel. How could you turn away from the Lord and build an altar for yourselves in rebellion against him? Was our sin at Peor not enough? To this day, we are not fully cleansed of it, even after the plague that struck the entire community of the Lord. And yet today, you are turning away from following the Lord. If you rebel against the Lord today, he will be angry with all of us tomorrow. Verse 19. If you need the altar because the land you possess is defiled, then join us in the Lord's land where the tabernacle of the Lord is situated and share our land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar other than the one true altar of the Lord, our God. Verse 20. Didn't divine anger fall on the entire community in Israel when Achan, a member of the clan of Zerah, sinned by stealing the things set apart for the Lord? He was not the only one who died because of this. So, the nine and a half tribes living in the Promised Land, the ones who are a type or a picture of those living in the Spirit-filled life, have misunderstood the intentions of their brethren. Ever happened to you? Of course it has. And when these situations occur, boy, does our enemy love it. The enemy is always trying to muddy the water and make things unclear, make them confusing, leading to misunderstanding and frustration, even bringing people to the brink of doing battle with each other. Satan's strategy has always been to divide and conquer. Upon closer examination, we can see a bit of a progression that these nine and a half tribes slipped into. Four things in particular. Let's look at them more closely. Number one, they reacted on hearsay. Verse 11. Folks, never say something that you are not willing to write down and sign your name to. Never make it a habit of listening to hearsay. And certainly don't react to it. Second point, they got worked up before they checked out the facts. They were hasty to do battle, as noted in verse 12, 
in that they prepared to go to war against them. Proverbs 18.13, it says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. You know, the easiest things to find fault in is finding fault in others and not yourself. Number three, false accusations. When the delegation arrived, they didn't sit down and ask the reasons why. They just went all out and started implying things. Verse 16, they said, The whole community of the Lord demands to know why you are betraying the God of Israel. How could you turn away from the Lord and build an altar for yourselves in rebellion against him? Folks, don't ever accuse or imply intent before you ask someone why in the first place. I'm reminded about a story I once heard. A mother said to her little girl that she was not feeling well and she was going to go and lie down and rest for a little bit. The little girl thought to herself, maybe I can make mommy some cookies. That'll make her feel better. So she breaks out the flour and the eggs and the sugar and, well, she ends up making a big mess. There's stuff splattered all over the place, flour, powder all over the place. And of course, the, the mother wakes up from her nap and walks in and sees an absolute mess. And the mother, acting hastily, said, I can't believe you've made a mess. I cannot believe you knew I wasn't feeling well. Why would you go and make a mess in the kitchen? And of course, a little girl, beginning to bite her lip and weep a little bit, says, Mommy, I was just trying to make you cookies to make you feel better. <laughs> Needless to say, the mother felt very, very sorry for her behavior and asked for her forgiveness. But that's a good example of just stepping in and making some assumptions and making some implications without first asking the reasons why. I can also remember in the workplace years ago when I worked for a district manager and he always was very careful with the words he would say. And when he would show up in our store and he would walk around, he wouldn't come up to me while I was working and say, what are you doing? Because that implies maybe I'm sitting around doing nothing. He would come up and say, what are you working on? And I always thought that was a very interesting way of phrasing things. And it's something I adopted for myself as well. Never say to anyone, what are you doing? Comes across and implies a negative connotation. But when you ask someone what they're working on, well, then you're going to have a different reaction. And lastly, number four, distinguishing if the infractions are against the Lord or against you. Verse 19, it has this subtlety, but do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar. You know, I'm reminded about the trial of Jesus, how they tried to take things that Jesus said and use it as a testimony and a false witness against him. For example, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise up a new one. And of course, Jesus wasn't talking about the real temple. He was talking about the temple in us through the Holy Spirit. But of course, they took it as blasphemy. They were taking something that Jesus said, right information, but they put a wrong implication on it. They did it intentionally. Yep, these things can happen to the one living in the Spirit-filled life. We must always be careful and always be on guard. Never, ever 
let ourselves react to hearsay. Let us not get worked up until we check out the facts first. Don't ever place ourselves in making false accusations until we ask the reasons why. And make sure that we're always distinguishing between infractions against the Lord or infractions against us, which is nowhere nearly as important as an infraction against the Lord. Remember this, the enemy wants to get people at war with each other. The enemy wants us to be fighting with each other all the time. He wants us to be fighting in our marriages, fighting with our families, our ministries, our friends, and our co-workers. Folks, let that never be said of us. Thanks again for joining me today here at the Carpenters Union. I truly hope and pray that the things that were discussed today are things that you can apply in your life. I pray that Jesus' face continues to shine upon you. In his precious name we pray. Amen.